Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dylan Murray, and this is the Victory Through Guts podcast. It's all about 90s Joshi wrestling, and my co-host, of course, is Alex Richards. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Alex. Totally stole that introduction from a YouTuber, by the way, but you know what? It works. He, he is indeed Alex, and he did indeed steal it. Uh, since the last time we've released an episode, or since the last time we recorded an episode, rather, the world kind of died. Ain't that right, Alex? Oh, that's an understatement, honestly. Yeah, a, a, a lot of a lot of things happened. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. It's been hard for the Joshi world. It's been hard for the wrestling world. It's been hard for the real world. But, um, you know, I want to get into it. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're here to enjoy our nonsensical talking about niche-ass wrestling from the early 90s. Um, today, we are talking about the Japan Grand Prix of 1990. Um, and there's a couple other matches, but it's a tournament. Um, the smallest tournament they ever held, actually, it was only had seven competitors, um, you know, with three first-round matches and one bye. So it was a pretty small tournament. It was a pretty, a pretty uh, weak tournament. I mean, like, some of the matches were good, but it was... It's kind of a mess when you say so. Yeah, I mean, seven entrants is kind of crazy, and the fact that like uh, Grizzly Iwamoto got in there says a lot about the kind of state of the company at that time. That she was one of the yeah. top seven or eight people. Yeah, and it's like I I really liked. We'll, we'll get into it later, of course, but I really liked Grizzly. Um, but it was sort of weird that it's like, oh, like she's she's here, you know, like she like like that's that's the that's the. That's the seventh competitor in this because the re- the rest of them sort of made sense to a certain degree, um. But yeah, she's she's in there, um. But let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have two non-tournament matches on this card. Um, one that I <laughs> I was excited for, but then got a little underwhelmed because it was, of course, a shoot boxing match with Bat Yoshinaga. Um, she faced Mayumi Yamamoto. Um, I didn't find a lot of information about Yamamoto. Um, she debuted in 1989. She would wrestle um, later in the year uh, in a in an eight man or eight woman rather um, at Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, or Wrestle Marine Piad, I forget. Um, so she's around, but she definitely she never really like gets much momentum in AJW. She retires in a couple years, but yeah. So she there's not a lot of information on her. Bat Yoshinaga obviously is the, uh, the MMA shooter god of shoot boxing matches so um i expected her to win pretty easily um and that didn't actually happen i mean she won she definitely won but she kind of like she was she did not do well in this match i don't think trust him yeah i mean i, I know yamamoto had like a couple of flurries but i definitely never thought it was in doubt that yoshinaga was winning Oh yeah, for, for sure. But like, I feel like, like I like Bat like slipped like three times, which is not a Bat thing to do. Like she's a bit clumsy sometimes, but she doesn't like just straight up like slip and get take. Like I don't know, she was just really off her game. Um, Yamamoto was very much of a glass cannon throughout it, where it's like she would just randomly just be like, you know what? I don't care if I live or die, and she would just fucking attack. And then she would usually get stopped by Bat and you know, t- 
taken out again and again and again. Um, one, one spot, I guess you can say, in this match that I loved was Bat, at one point near the end, just starts Kawada kicking her, like, in the head. Shoot Kawada kicking her. And, like, you know, where, where he, like, tees off. Like, that was fucking insane. Like, I mean... I don't know. Like I just love that. I went I went crazy for that. Um and then, you know, bat one the end of three rounds. Um not much to it. Like even for a shoot boxing match, there was not much to it. It was very it was a lot more clumsy than bat usually is, and bat is usually a bit clumsy. So it was it was not not great. One of Bat's worst performances that I've seen thus far. Um Yeah, I mean it was it was it was fine. Not great again but it was what it was right i mean the 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 shoot fight stuff can only be so good when like nobody's trained i mean the the spectacle is the appeal really yeah and you know bat usually does like decently but i don't know maybe it was just a weird like mix with her and yamamoto but who knows you know many things could go wrong in a shoot boxing match um and then after this, we get a regular match, of course. It's Aja Kong versus Suzuka Minami for the All-Pacific title. Uh, this is the first um, All-Pacific title match on our timeline that made tape. Aja Kong actually won the belt from Noria Tateno, who we'll talk about match. Um, she won the belt from her in April of 1990, but that was in like a live event or something, so it wasn't recorded or anything. Um, so yeah, this is the first one that actually made tape. All-Pacific title was one of the many, like, secondary belts in All Japan, but I think it was probably the most high-profile secondary belt because the AJW title was sort of, like, less... As as time went on, the AJW title got less and less defended and less and less, like, important, and the All-Pacific title, as of 1990, was still around a lot more. Like, um, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Minami Toyota at the time of this tournament, was the AJW champion, and nobody really talks about it, because it was a really important belt. Yeah, no, she definitely had one title. I'm not sure if it was that or the junior belt, because I know she had, like, a run junior belt around that time as well. But, uh... Did she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because, again, the last time we saw the junior belt was the first episode when we saw um, Kari Ito and, um... Who, who was the champion again? Let me back. And Mima Shimoda, yeah. They were um, having matches for the belt. So I, yeah, I'm not sure. She might have the junior belt, but I'm pretty sure she was AJW champion at that point. Which, considering the name of it being All Japan Women's Champion, it sounds like she's the world champion. But, you know, because there's like 30 belts company, she's like the the second least important champion <laughs> at this yeah, point. No, it's it's like being WWE champion where like you're very clearly like the third most important belt in the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah so Aja Kong who's all Pacific champion um faces off against Suzuka Minami, one half of the um of the Marine the Marine Sharks. The Marine Wolves. I'm off my game today obviously. <laughs> Suzuka Minami, one half of the Marine Wolves. Um the match starts. I don't know, like, if there was more to it, but the tape that we both saw, um, Aja Kong just hits a headshot with a chair, just right in the beginning. Like, it's just like that's immediately what it comes to. 
Um, so that's a very Aja Kong thing of her. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, usual Gokumanto, you know, outdoor outside tactics. Um, you know, this and that, and then Aja Kong hits one of those old school um smackdown video game package pile driver moves where she doesn't get the arms she just holds the knee and <laughs> drives it like it, it didn't look like it was how gravity worked but you know aja kong um so yeah she hits a, an insane package pile driver in the first 90 seconds which is lovely um and then they just keep pile driving each other for a while and um then minami hits a pile driver on the concrete, like on the floor in the Korokin, just and it was just like nothing. And like I was just like, so are we just gonna gloss over that? Because <laughs> Aja Kong just <laughs> got back up and went in the ring. They just kind of the the, the sell it. this is not for the selling fetishists, that's for sure. Like you will get dropped on your head and you will never ever sell it. Yeah. Um and then in the first of quite a few uh, sketchy finishes of the night, um, Aja Kong, I almost called her Congo Kong, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> that was Congo Kong. Uh, that, was, that was that really big dude who was like on impact for like a month. With Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, with Jimmy Jacobs. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, that dude. I am not having a good... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Aja Kong, Aja Kong, um, tombstones, um, Minami or Suzuka Minami onto a like a part of the guardrail, I guess that um Gokumanto slid into the ring, and I guess she got DQ because yeah. the, the bell rung like a million times after that, and then um this is a title match, Kong lost the belt off a DQ. That wasn't really like that impactful, considering by Joshi standards, that isn't even that big of a like. <laughs> like I don't know, like it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal, but you know, she loses the belt. Um, Kong continues to beat up Minami all over the all over Korokin for a good like three minutes before going back in the ring and then listening to the decision. Um, not much of a match at all. Like it was just like a you know, brawling, and then a pile driver, and then another pile driver, and then another pile driver, and then a pile driver that caused a DQ, and that was it. Um, <laughs> Aja Kong was being protected at this point, I think, because, you know, she needed to lose the All-Pacific belt, but she was going to move up to the world title scene very soon, and by very soon, I mean, I'm almost sure next month. Um, so she, she needed to lose the belt, but she couldn't really lose it, lose it. So they decided to get a DQ and I didn't really like it, especially considering Suzuka Minami's a pretty dope wrestler. So her winning that belt in that way sort of sucks. Cause she, you know, like I get that they had to protect Kong, but it's like, I don't know. How did you feel about it? I feel like Minami for like winning the belt deserved like that good match to win it, to really put her over and because, like, when I saw the match, I was like, oh, this will be, like, a really good match. But then, as you said, it was just a lot of brawling and then a DQ finish, which was just kind of very underwhelming, considering how good both of them are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, 
I, I feel like a lot of these matches on this card, I maybe was like too like I, I maybe I went in with a bit too high of expectations given the time period and given the the circumstances. And this is one of them that just sort of felt like it could have been good, but because of, you know, like Aja needed to be protected and because at this point Aja was not as trusted in a singles role as she would be in the coming years. Um, and, you know, Suzuka Minami is also mostly a tag team wrestler at this point. So it maybe it was just a matter of like, you know, they were told to do, you know, something that would, not be too great, but not be too bad, and it just sort of, like, fell flat. But, you know, it is what it is, like I said, but, you know, fine match. Tsukuminami, new All-Pacific champion. Um, She holds that for a bit. I actually don't know how long she holds that, but, you know, we'll, we'll see over the coming months when she eventually loses it and continues with her career. Um, And then, after that match starts, Japan Grand Prix Round 1. Uh, a little side note, and um, Alex, I'm sure that you figured this out. Um, in the first episode, we identified Norio Teteno as Kiyo Teteno. And when I realized, oh, that's Norio Teteno, I realized how dumb we were. Because Norio Teteno was one of the jumping bomb angels, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Japanese Wikipedia. Like, Wikipedia told me her name was Kiyo, and I was like, who the hell is this lady? Then, yeah, like a month later, it hit me. I was like, oh my god. It was Norio yeah. Tatano. Some, some, yeah, Tatano. Like, somebody on, um, on the Stardom Joshi Reddit, um, Pudpuddle, I believe. He's a cool guy. He translates a lot of shit. Um, he, he like um commented and he's like hey um just an fyi uh that person that you guys said was um kiyo tatano yeah that's that's one of the jumping bomb angels so just just so you know like good podcast but just so you know i was like oh (laughs) i'm stupid so um yeah she she's facing off against medusa who is of course medusa um medusa has a pretty cool outfit and that's the beginning and the end of Medusa's pretty cool statements for this <laughs> podcast today. Um, yeah, this match, I don't know. It was, uh, it like usually I am okay with hold for hold wrestling. You know, like like I can I can get with it. I'm I'm okay with it. But something about this just felt like it dragged and it was only a nine-minute match. And that's not good. <laughs> like, I don't know, yeah. like, how how that happened, but, you know, it just, you know, there's a little burst in the beginning, you know, a little bit of, like, fast-paced action. Then there was, um, you know, holds, and there were some more holds. And then um, Tatano, she had some killer knee strikes. I really liked her um, running knee strikes, and I... I tend to be a knee strike critic um you know like when kenny omega hits a shitty knee strike it's like ugh. but then when kigetsu hits a good knee strike i go insane so like i think that she had some killer knee strikes and then they went back to trading holds for another three minutes and that was fun um there's a little cool sequence 
with the head scissors um, into a suicide dive by um, Tatsuno, which was good. And then, and I'm going to ask you this question a lot throughout the show. Did Medusa shoot fuck up or was she supposed to fuck up? Because it looked like she shoot fucked up. It looks like she messed up because I remember the referee was like, your shoulders, your shoulders. And she just didn't change it. So I assume she like messed up there. Maybe she was meant to be protected because was she in the WWF at this time or was she? No, she wasn't in the WWF WWF yet. Um, And if anything, I would say that this the thing okay so let me explain to the viewers what happened um basically medusa got the five-star clutch you know like the rolling i don't know what the official move of that of it i just call it the five-star clutch because yo but um she got the five-star clutch and she laid back on her shoulders so the ref tells her hey i'm about to double pin you if you don't get your shoulders up and she just looked at him and then he literally like bumped her shoulder to try to get it up and she refused so it was a double pin. Like, how does... And the thing is, is that I really love that finish, actually. Not, not in this match, but I really love the, um, like the German suplex when the person who does the German can't get their shoulder up and the person kicks out, and then the person who just got German wins the match. Like, I remember there was like a, a WWF title change in like the 70s that happened like that. And I was like, that is genius. I love that. But... This was just really bad because <laughs> it was just yeah. like, like, how do you? Why? I don't get it. Medusa is bad at this stage. That's that's <laughs> like, my only. I try considering it. I try not to be too mean. I try not to be like too like blatantly mean, but it's like it just doesn't. I don't know. She she before the match she did a little promo and her Japanese is pretty good, so that's. I mean that's good, you know. She 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 was trying. I respect her for trying, but um, yeah, it was just really bad finish. Um, and we couldn't before we started watching this, we couldn't find the semifinals that Medusa took place in, and I'm pretty sure that's because that didn't take place. Like on Cage Match, it says that it happens, but she like I don't think it happened. Which is no, sort I didn't. of. I'd say they were both eliminated. I'd say cage match yeah. for AJW as well. They're just kind of. They probably just predicted it. They were like, oh, well, Amy got to the final, so she must have beat somebody. Yeah. And it's like, before we watched this, we were like, what the hell happened to the semifinal match? But I suppose that's, that's what happened. Um, Medusa. Medusa. Yeah. Um. To be fair to her, though, like Medusa as a Lundra Blaze, I always thought was like pretty good in like 94 or 95. It's just this stage, she's not really. She's kind of like B Priestley, where you're like, okay, but you're in there with people who are so good that you're going to look like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, she does definitely get better. And I don't know, maybe like, no disrespect to Norio Titano, Tat, whatever. No disrespect to her, but I think it probably was a weird clash. Like, Medusa could have a better match at this stage in her career, but I don't know. There was a weird... Just It felt very, like... They didn't mesh well at all. Um, They were tagged... And they part- definitely didn't have good chemistry at all. Um, And maybe that yeah. was just because Tatano was on her way out, and she was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to LLPW anyway, so I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, that she was... No, LLPW didn't oh, no. exist, but you know... <laughs> 
she, yeah, she would slow down over the next year and a half before um, LPW, of course, formed. She would go over there. Um, and then she was there until like 2010, which sort of blows my mind. Yeah, she that... wrestled for ages, which is weird because yeah. did, did the other Bomb Angel come back or did she stay retired? I'm pretty sure she stayed retired. I'm not 100%. I remember sure. like pretty positive. just kind of disappeared because I remember watching through AJW Classic and they were there. And then they just kind of stopped being there. And I assume it's because of the WWF. But then, yeah, one of them retired and they just kind of ignored Tatano forever. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, honestly. Like, um, again, Tatano was the All-Pacific champion two months before this. She lost mm-hmm. to Aja Kong. So it's like, I don't know. Like, she feels... I feel like she was definitely in a weird spot at this point in her career. Um, because it was after yeah. the success of the Jumping Bomb Angels and before she would go to LOPW. So, excuse me, um, before she went to LOPW. So it was sort of like in that buffer stage. So I, I get it. But again, it wasn't, it was a pretty, pretty bad match. And then mm-hmm. an even worse finish. Um, but next match, it's my girl and your girl, everybody's girl, Yumika Hoda, the GOAT. One of the goats can't disrespect all the other goats um, against Grizzly Igomoto. And we were talking before we start recording that you can tell how limited the roster was, the singles roster was at this point. Because no disrespect to Grizzly, but her getting into the only tournament of the year is kind of insane. Because she was not, yeah. she was not there. You know, um, she was good. Again, I, I really like Grizzly. I think she's really underrated. She did good in this match, but her involvement is sort of like shocking. Um, the match starts with Hoda, of course, going for the beloved handshake cliche, even though she is facing one of the members of Gokumanto, who is never mm-hmm. going to shake your hand because she's in Gokumanto. Um, and then, five seconds in, this is, I don't know if you caught this, and I, I found it just hilarious, personally. Um, Grizzly throws her outside of the ring, and then grabs her neck, and just walks with her for 15 seconds. Doesn't throw her into anything, doesn't hit her, just, just, just like grabs her hair, grabs her neck, and walks around Korokin for 15 seconds, and throws her back in the ring with no damage dealt. <laughs> like, she just, like, it was just, she just did it for some reason. And that's it was iconic. Like, Wish more wrestlers yeah. would do that, to be honest. Just just for fun. Like, five seconds into the match, just grab her and walk. You know, just like, just, just parade her around. Don't even throw her into chairs. Don't throw her into anything. Don't hit her. Just walk with her. 15 seconds. Um... And then, you know, they slide back into the ring. Um, then the match actually, like, starts. Um, I, I love picks in Joshi Wrestling. Like, they're probably my favorite thing. Um, that's why I really like um, Yamada. That's why I really like um, Hoda. And that's why I really like Kagetsu and Arisa, who, unfortunately, uh, who unfortunately retired. She's doing well, whatever. Um you know, I, I really like in Momo Watanabe, I really like kicking and wrestling. Um, you know, like so this was really interesting to see because Grizzly would throw like wild kicks and stomps at Hoda, 
Um, and I was like, huh, that's that's sort of interesting. And then Hoda would come back and would start like just hitting precision kicks to the leg and hit her in the head with a kick. And the the story that I saw was that um, Grizzly was just a wild, you know, brawling, um, badass heel who's just trying to like throw all of the offense at her. And then Hoda comes back and just kicks the shit out of her and um, almost knocks her out first time she gets up at seven and then eventually actually does knock her out um for the for the finish like she just kicks her in the head and um grizzly's out so that was sort of i really liked this match even though it was short and there wasn't much to it the the stuff that there was really entertained me so i can't really complain about it how about you um, yeah, I mean, I like to, uh, like you, I really like seeing people get kicked in the face. Um, I think the, the important thing for me was that Hota looked like an absolute killer. But I think when you're doing a one-night tournament, having somebody look really good to eventually put other people over is really important. So I really like the book in there where Hota just kind of you know, took whatever was get, you know, thrown at her and then was just like, right, well, I'm going to kick you in the head, knock you out. Yeah. Um, this really, it really did make Hoda look like a killer. Cause like, especially after the match, um, the seconds had to drag, um, like literally drag Grizzly's body out of the ring. Like, like Grizzly, like for a second. And that's something that I love about Joshi is that I don't know what's a shoot and what isn't half the time because they are so good at selling that it's like, and the same thing for the next match that we'll talk about, um, that's like for a second I was like, is Grizzly okay? Cause she's just like she is selling and it was insane. I don't know. She she did really good in this match, even though for the majority of it she was just getting beat up. Um she she got the kendo stick in the middle of the match, we sort of glossed over it. She got the kendo stick and then still got kicked in the head and dropped the kendo stick and that was the end of the kendo stick. So Hoda really killed it. Uh, Grizzly did really good in her role. Um, overall, enjoyable match. You know, nothing, nothing really bad to say about it. Nothing amazing to say about it. But I really enjoyed it. Like, it did its job, like booking wise, as like a first round match. Like, it didn't overstay its welcome. It just kind of gave you what you wanted. Put Hata over, and you know, you can't really complain about matches like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the next match is a a big match when it comes to like a overarching big picture of Joshi wrestling. It's um the first singles meeting between Akira Hokuto and Minami Toyota. Um, you know, round one of the tournament. Uh after the match the tag team match that we watched last time, um I was surprised to see a handshake at the beginning because, you know, there was heat there and I thought they would be building that a bit more. But um, you know, a handshake, they're both baby faces technically even though Kirohokuto could be a bit of an asshole sometimes um so you know handshake and then Minami Toyota hits a shotgun drop kick out the gate because that's what Minami Toyota does um I really liked the beginning of how Minami focused on like fast-paced action and then um then Hokuto would just clothesline her like just murder her with a clothesline and then it would be a Hokuto match and then Minami would break out and she would go and do a drop kick and she would you know jump around and then she would get in a 
you know, a, a sleeper hold and insane. Um, how how did you feel about the the meat of this match? Yeah, I thought it was well worked, and this is something that I'm more I watch Manami, I'm appreciating her. Like she wrestles to her character or to her stature. Like she was, she knew Hokuto's more experienced. Hokuto's like, uh, you know, she's in a top line, top level tag team. I have to get out there straight away and hit her, or she's gonna kill me. I really appreciate yeah. how she did that. Yeah, I, um, I, as you know, I love to reach where there isn't really anything to reach for, but something that I noticed, um, in regards to the last match they had with, um, with Akira Hokuto and Suka Minami versus Minami Toyota and Suka Mita, the the things that they focused on in this match were things that they won with last. So you notice that Akira Hokuto spent a long time in the torture crab and in the, you know, the, the high, the elevated crab, because that's how she submitted Minami Toyota last time. And Minami Toyota, even though this is just what Toyota does, like it's just her character at this point, she also would go for leverage print pins a lot because that's how she pinned Akira Hokuto last time. So obviously this could just be that they wrestle a very specific style to their own style, but I really liked that Hokuto would go for the move that she beat Minami Toyota with. Minami Toyota would go for the moves that she beat Hokuto with. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked the story that they were building. Um, and then, of course, finish came. And I don't know, was this like an actual thing? Because I know that that Hokuto like injured her knee at one point, like in her career. Was this like an actual like she injured her knee, or was this a uh, a work to get Hokuto out without her losing? Mm-hmm general consensus that i saw was that it was legitimate and i think you can tell that because like akira is the kind of competitor who would continue even if her leg was destroyed and she tried to do that quite a bit but it just wasn't happening so i think it was legitimate and she was like oh it's okay i can finish the match but they were like listen honey you can't stand you have to call it off yeah and like you you look at at her knee and it, it looked it looked really messed up basically what happened was um, Hokuto hit a corner dive to the floor, um, and she, you know, she like did a cross body style, and she ended up hitting her knee like just straight into the guardrail, and it completely messed her knee up really bad. Mm-hmm. She um she couldn't get back in the ring at first. She she made it by the count, but then the ref was like, "Yeah, no, you can't, you can't continue." And then I'm pretty sure you know, um, there was dudes in like white suits who were on the outside, I'm assuming the the higher up saying, yeah, you can't. So, basically, Toyota wins um, because Hokuto hit, um, messed up her knee. So, Toyota continues on into the next round, which, um, which her next round opponent would be whoever won the match between um, Medusa and Noria Tano. So, Minami Toyota advances all the way to the finals without having beaten anybody. So that's a bit of a, you know, like in this case, it was sort of unfortunate that it worked out this way um, because, you know, it likely was a shoot. But it definitely hurt the tournament as a whole because Minami went into it um, without beating anybody and her opponent 
who we will find out in the next match, would have to have a little bit more of a struggle to get there. Um, next match was a match that I was really, really looking forward to because I love Fire Jets. They're an amazing tag team. Um, it's Mitsuko Nishiwake against Mika Hoda. Um, Nishiwaki got a bye into the next round. Um, she was the 1989 winner of this tournament. Um, so she faces Yumika Hoda in the semis. I really, this is a really random note that might sound weird, but I really liked Mitsuko's hair um, because usually she has like the straight hair, but she had curly hair, which, you know, reaching into symbolism as I always do, um, she worked as the heel in this match for the most part, which is not something that I've seen her do. And it's like, you know, um, I've, since starting this, I've watched a few um, Nishiwake matches from before because I really like her and I know that she retires in 1990, unfortunately. Um, so I went back and watched a few of her matches. She, she never really was like a heel in any way. So watching her work heel was surprisingly fun. Like she was surprisingly good at it considering like what I've seen from her. She's definitely a babyface wrestler. You know what I mean? I know when you're like and AJW decides you're something that's what you are like you have to become really good at it and that was her as a baby face that was what they pushed her as for the longest time yeah so it's like um so her her working heel against her tag team partner I really liked it um again I'm a big Yumika Hoda fan big um Nishiwaki fan so I was expecting a lot of, of this match it maybe didn't live up to my very very high expectations but it was a very good match um Shiwake works the legs for most of the time she locks in a figure four at the beginning that looked really good and I was like she really just did a better figure four than like Ric Flair like I don't know there, there's something about the figure four that's like if you do it a certain way it looks just better and Ric Flair never really did that nobody today does it um and even Nishiwake, she did it a different way later in the match that didn't look as good. But she she locked it in and she got a heel hook in. You know, she got like a, a ankle in, and it just looked a lot more devastating than a typical figure four. So that was I really like that. And again, she she worked the leg. She was really really good at working the heel against um, Hoda. And then you know Hoda Hoda gets a bit of a comeback and she hits two really good alley-oops which i don't know who invented those moves because i only i i saw them you know like start to show up in the early 2000s and late 90s so i'm not saying that hoda invented it because i'm sure she didn't but this was probably one of the earlier um like thing times that i've seen an alley-oop on like a, a in like a big match i don't know if you have any any expertise in the alley oop move, <laughs> but unfortunately not. No. Yeah. So um, so she she hit a really good looking alley oop. Um, you know the reverse power bomb, but it's not. But so yeah, I really like that. Um, Hoda, of course, you know made a comeback, and she got a a surprise victory against her tag team partner with the butterfly suplex that Nishiwaki kicked out at. Um, Yumika Hoda matches. I feel like so many times, either her or her opponent kicks out at three. Like even for the coming years, like like <laughs> like Hoda is never gonna give you like like a, a like you're never gonna beat Hoda, and Hoda's never gonna <laughs> beat you. 
Unless she knocks you out like she did the Grizzly Emoto. <laughs> yeah. That was but, like, um... that was an actual thing too in AJW that like annoyed me sometimes because I've watched like all of the classic stuff from the 80s and mm-hmm. it was really common for somebody to like maybe kick out of a move, but the move to be counted three anyway. And the, the deal was like, oh, they like kept their shoulders down long enough. Um, mm-hmm. And like sometimes it was just hard to see the pin. So maybe it was just because like their products of their era that they did that finish because it's not really something I saw kind of Yoda or Kyoko or kind of Aja do that much. Yeah. Um. I know, I know, and this is reaching far into the future, at Dream Slam, the Hoda versus Dynamite Kansai finish ended with a three count kick out excuse me but um so like that's I, probably I, I politics just... in fairness well yeah true because hoda yeah we'll get to that i love dynamite Kansai and i love yumiko hoda. <laughs> oh love she's that. amazing oh my god i can't wait until she you know becomes a bigger deal in our because you know as mm-hmm. not all that big in jwp but yeah, so Yumiko Hoda, I always like sort of, and I think she did the same thing in the um, VTOP tournament at, in 94, where she, I forget if she kicked out at three. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think she kicked out at three against Combat, maybe? Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, so I just, re- like, I just remember that Yumiko Hoda never, <laughs> never, never is a part of a pinfall that goes past the three count. So, you know. <laughs> Take that for what you will. Um, after the match, the Fire Jets had a bit of t- turmoil because Nishiwaki was upset because she kicked out, even though she didn't, but she did. So, um, you know, it sort, it sort of breaks my heart to see Fire Jets um, have some turmoil, especially because um, at this point we could bring it up. Nishiwaki retires in the next two months, I believe. I think she retires in August. And... Man, we're going to talk about it more when she has her retirement show, but I don't know why she retired. I think she just retired because she wanted to retire. I don't think she was even at the age limit yet. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, though. But she was so good. And if she lasted, like, another two years, she would be such a big fucking deal, you know? Like, she would, she would, be, in, she would be in the talking, you know? Like, everybody talks about Kira Hokuto, about Minami Toyota, about Aja Kong, about you know, the people who, who were big parts of the AJW boom and Bonacano, uh, I didn't mention her, but I think that Nishiwaki would be such a big fucking deal. You know, she was just so good. So it really, it really uh, sucks that I she has to I feel like retire. you can say that for, like, a couple of people as well. Uh, just, like, the company had so much talent that, unfortunately, a lot of them were around in this kind of, this kind of between Rush Gals era ending and the, the the next boom that really could have been big had they stayed around for the cross promotional stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean because, like, I don't know, like, because when I when we started watching this, I had no idea who Nishiwaki was. And in the three episodes that we've done, she has become one of my favorite wrestlers. You know, like she's just really good. Like she's really entertaining. Yeah. She's, you know, she has the look, fast paced. She's interesting. Um, a couple things that I want to note about this match and about something else was that Nishiwake's heel work, something that I noticed was that she hit her signature flying clothesline that she does like every match all the time. Um, she hit it in the beginning and then she didn't 
for like a good six minutes. Like she didn't hit it. She didn't even go to hit it. Instead, she would like kick. She would like boot her in the leg when she was coming off a rebound or, you know, she would just, she, and then she finally did her flying clotheslines again, but instead of looking graceful, like they usually do, she just like, it was a lariat, you know? And like that switch between Nishiwake being, you know, the graceful, beautiful baby face to her hitting a signature fly, hitting her flying clothesline, but still just getting like taking her out was, I don't know. She, she, she transitioned from baby face to heel for one match so well. And I don't know. That was just great. I can't, I can't argue with you there. Like I thought it was a good match too. Um, obviously the fire jets wrestling each other is always going to have like a very high baseline, but yeah, I mean, they delivered to expectations for me. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing that we didn't talk about, um, I think it was on the first episode was the fire jets performance that I have been watching nonstop. <laughs> I like, um, it was on the, it was on the TV episode from January and they, they did that performance and they killed it. Cause like, I don't know. I've seen a few of the AJW like performances post um, crush gals. Some of the crush gals were like, you know, musical icons too. But, like, after that, they would still do it. Like, I know Bulnacano does it at one point. Um, you know, I feel like everybody has to do it. But the Fire Jets were spitting, dude. They killed it. I love that so much. You probably haven't seen it in, like, months because you aren't weird like me who watches it, like, every other day. But I just love that, and we didn't talk about it on the podcast, and I feel bad that we didn't talk about it. So, yeah, Fire Jets, Fire Jets performance from AJW. 1990 um i think i posted it on my youtube channel that i don't use y'all should watch it because it's a fucking banger so yeah (laughs) it's your idol talk done for the day yeah yeah big 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 idol fan dylan murray right here um (laughs) but um that leads us into the finals um manami toyota versus yumika hoda japan grand prix finals this is hoda's third match of the night she has to beat her third opponent. Manami, this is her second match of the night. She has to beat her first opponent, considering Kirihokuto took herself out. This is a really good match. I don't even know where to start, because at first I was like, this is amazing, I need to take down all the notes. But then like halfway through, I just stopped taking notes, and I just watched it, because I really enjoyed it. So I don't even know what I, can, what I should even talk about. Like, um, you know, Toyota jumps over the ref, and beats the fuck out of Yumiko Hoda, like, before the bell even rings. And I was like, damn, okay, chill the fuck out. Um, and then Hoda is busted open. And I don't know when that happened. I feel like that always happens in Joshi, That's like somebody gets busted open at some point, and you don't know when it happened or how it happened, but they're bleeding now. And uh, It's always a good visual, even though that sounds sort of sadistic, but it's always a good visual when somebody's bleeding, um, because... It just makes them look cooler, and it makes it, it increases the the intensity. I think. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just a bloodthirsty weirdo. Um, no, I think blood definitely adds to it. Like I think a lot of like big kind of. Now I'm using WWE terminology here, but big moments were like really made better because of blood because it does add this feel that like we're in a fight, we're in a war. This isn't just a wrestling match. This is. This is a fucking, like, I'm going to kill you, like, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, like um, and not to not to get into modern day stuff too much, but like my match of the year so far, even though there have many, was um Risa Shiki versus Utami Hayashista because Utami got busted open. And it was like the visual and like you said, the moment was beautiful. And the match was like the match was really good, but the the blood and like the what the blood implied and what it created out of the match made it like a million times better. One of my favorite matches of the year. Um so yeah, I just really love blood in wrestling. Um unless your name is Cody Rhodes in that case, please stop. But um <laughs> but otherwise one like... the other week. Dynamite, yeah. where his like his head put the 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 ramp, and then he was bleeding. And it was like a seven minute match, but let's let's not like it wasn't it was not necessary. But let's not get too much in. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love blood and wrestling. Um, I also love Hoda like flailing into sleeper holes that she continues to do every time she is put in a sleeper hold. I love that so much that she just like like I don't know. I think Hoda's really good at small shit. And I say that like every every time we do this, but she's really good at the small shit. She's really good at the the you know, I don't know. She's just one of my favorite. Uh, the crowd is really hot for this match. Um, I don't know if you if you caught it, but I was sort of confused about who they were cheering for because you can hear Hoda chant. Like there were there were multiple Hoda chants throughout the match, but every time Toyota would kick out, the fans would freak out, and every time Hoda would kick out, they would just sort of be like, oh okay. Like that was, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it was weird. I noticed it in the uh, the Hokuto match as well. Like, I, I don't know if people were booing Hokuto, but they were definitely like behind Manami way more than they were Hokuto. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know. But but then those those Hoda chants, I was like, oh, so this is a this is a Hoda crowd because I I put that in the notes. I was like, oh, there it's a heavily lean towards Hoda. And then as time went on. Like, there was no love for Hoda, and every time Toyota would kick out or, like, you know, like, break out, they would freak the fuck out. And I was like, I wonder, like, like who, at that time, like, who was the over one? I'm pretty sure it was Toyota, um, but just from my bias, it's like, it felt like Hoda was such a fuck, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, the last three minutes of this match went so hard, I couldn't even... I can't even tell you what happened in it because they would. It was just so fast paced and it was so great. Um, you know, I know Toyota hit a shit ton of drop kicks because gotta love a drop kick. Um, Hoda did great too. I know that she kept going for pins and then Minami would to- would kick out and just the look on Hoda's face, like great facial expression. I don't know. It was a, it was a really good match. The match ends with Toyota winning. Off of a sunset bomb, or a sunset pin, not having a bomb, she did the like. Do you know what that's called? Where she like backs up into it and then just that pins her. Jet. And I'm not sure, no, but it, you, you're kind of on the on it there. Like it was kind of like a sunset pin, but only the end of it after pushing her into the turnbuckle. Yeah. So like, um, just a sunset pin. Win the Japan Grand Prix 1990. This means she goes on to face Bonacano. At the next show, um, which is that on classics or not? Because I'm pretty sure classics skips that and goes to the jungle jack. Uh, it is on. It is on classics. I remember because I really, really like the match. Um, I do remember watching it. And I know, I know, we can find it on YouTube if it's cut in classics. 
Mm-hmm. Long, man. Um, so we're we're gonna watch that next time. Uh, so yeah, she wins the Japan Grand Prix with one pin. <laughs> not even that decisive. So yeah, it was a roll up, and I mean, I get that they probably wanted to protect Miko Hata, but yeah. And it's like I, I really, I, I have nothing against, um, roll ups. Like I love roll ups. Hazuki did the roll up forever, and it worked. Um, you know, um, Marafuji did the roll up forever, and it worked. And it's like I have nothing against roll ups, but, and I have nothing against roll ups in tournaments. I think tournaments need people to win via roll up, but <laughs> it, I don't know. It also adds on to the fact that I. As everybody in the world knows, I'm a massive Hoda mark. I just think Hoda, should, honestly. And again, that's that's probably a that's definitely a biased thing just for me. But she has had the best performances every every show that we've watched. Um, she had the best performance throughout the night. You know, both of her matches, three all three of her matches were really good. Um, she you know, had to beat a member of Gokumanto, she had to beat her tag team partner, then she goes to the finals, and then she gets rolled up, and she loses, and I feel like that is sort of Hoda's career, where it's like she is so, well, not career, her entire AJW career, at least, um, she is so good, and she kills it, she knocks it out of the park, but then, like, you know, last chance comes, and she loses you know, for whatever reason. She never looks bad when she loses, but she still loses. And I just think that she should have won this, even even though, even if it became inconsequential in two months and she wasn't champion, I just think she should have won this, had something under her belt, but that's just, I don't know about I mean, they never seem to go all in with her. She's very much like, a, pretty much like a Jungle Kiona, really, where, like, the fans want it. You can see that she's talented, the promotion just kind of goes, well, we'd rather push these people instead. They really never did give Ota the credit she deserved, like even during the inter-promotional war days, she was always kind of the person that would lose to the other talents, whereas usually the AJW team would win, but Ota was always there to take a pin. Yeah. And like, like, um, you know, again, looking forward, Ota's match against Kong her, you know, highly talented match against Kong in years from now, I think it's 94, maybe 93, um, where she just gets her ass beat. And then Akira Hokuto has to kind of save her. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I mean, it makes Akira Hokuto look like a badass, but it's like, man, why does Hoda always lose? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, so, so do you think they made the right choice? I know you want to talk about the booking of this. It was actually, so I have two questions. And my first question was, do you think Akira Hokuto was originally going to win the whole thing? Because from my point of view, it had a really good year. Uh, the Marine Wolves were a pretty dominant tag team. Um, and she just looked closest to Bull Nakano on the star power level. Um, so do you think she was originally the winner? Uh, I think that if, that she definitely might have. I I think that was definitely more up in the air than well not up in the air to them because they booked it but I think it it's a hard thing to to even in hindsight because 
Hokuto doesn't really like break out for a bit still. And I know, you know, the injury, but like she doesn't really break out, break out for a while. Um, obviously, you know, nobody's beating Bull yet. Spoiler alert, she's one of the longest champions wrestling. But, you know, nobody's beating Bull yet. So it's not like Minami Toyota's about to break out big time because of this one win. But I can definitely see that Akira Hokuto would have won. But in that case, it makes my feelings that Hoda should have won even stronger. You know what I mean? Because it's like Hoda was the closest to Hokuto, who was the closest to Bolnakano. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's how yeah. I. I think, me though, that's why they had Hoto get to the final because her and Hokuto had that kind of rivalry and that, that old partnership and that Hokuto beating Miko to win the tournament would have been a big moment. Yeah, there was that um, in the last episode, there was that um, after the match between Marine Wolves and Fire Jets, it was sort of like, um, you know, there was, I feel like it happens after every match that is between two baby faces that there was a bit of like energy between the two of them that you know Hoda versus um Hokuto in this finals would have been amazing and I think it would have I think it probably would have been an even better match and this match would be good mm. so I don't know I, I think Hokuto probably would have beat Toyota because it's a singles match and Toyota's younger and you know she Hokuto or Toyota doesn't even have a move yet. You know, she hasn't she hasn't started doing the Japanese Ocean or the Japanese Ocean Cyclone thing. The Queen's Landing, as we all know it today. She hasn't started doing that. Wow, you just pissed off everybody yeah, right there. Yeah, you know, gotta do it sometimes. Um she hasn't she hasn't started doing that. And, you know, like I said, she only gets one pinfall in this match. Plus, I think it would have it would have made a lot more sense. But then again, every, everything about this show got fucked up, so it's hard to even even look back at it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's fair. Because it's like it's like Akira Hokuto beats Toyota in the match in the first round. Then Akira Hokuto beats Medusa in the second round. Then Akira Hokuto beats Hoda in the third round. That would make sense. But if we're talking about the Medusa match still fucking up the way it did, then Akira Okuto versus Yumika Hoda, Akira Okuto being far more fresh than Hoda would be a great story. But that story wasn't even being made because Medusa already fucked up. So it's like everything about the show was sort of a mess. So it's hard to even like look back and like match make it. But I would not be surprised if they had Akira Okuto winning. And I think that would have been great too. And um I mean, the second question then is a bit more simple. Uh, do you think Minami Toyota got over by winning? Because to me, it didn't really feel like she was ready to take on Bull Nakano even after winning. Because as as we saw, like, Hokuto and B Hokuto, Hokuto just messed her knee up. She didn't have a second round match. And then she won the final by a roll up. Yeah, that's, that's why I mean, where it's like, it's, I don't think that she was ready and it's not even like a a slight on her because she at this point in her career she was still really good like there's like i know that me and you joke a lot about how she was the the genetti quote-unquote of her and um her and yamada but 
honestly, it was just a weird. I don't know. I, I don't think she should have won. I don't think she should have won. I don't think she was ready for it. Um, the match she has with Bull, as you said, I haven't I haven't seen the full thing of it yet, but you said it was good, so I'm sure that she she overperformed, but I don't think that Yumika Hoda or Akira Hokuto would have had to perform to have a high caliber match with Bull and Akano at this point. You know what I mean? Okay, well that's my two questions anyway. <laughs> uh yeah, so how did you think of the entire show? Because, like, it, it was not bad. It was not a bad show. It was just a fucking mad. Like, it was... Oof. You know what I mean? It's to judge based on kind of the, the errors that were made. And it definitely, like, fell below expectations. But, you know, that was understandable given what happened. It was a good yeah. show nonetheless, though, I thought. Like, it was much worse than you'd see from AJW around this time. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I had to think about a lot throughout this match or throughout the show was that it's like these matches, like if if we're looking in a vacuum, these matches are very good, you know. But it's like when you think about Minami Toyota versus Yumika Hoda, that could have been a million times better. If you think about Yumika Hoda versus um, Mitsuko Nishiwaki, like if you know, like they've they've had better matches for this, and so it's like so it's like none of this was bad, and. You know, well, I mean, some of it was bad, <laughs> but <laughs> most of this was good. But the fact that it could have been better sort of like probably raised my expectations too high for it, given the time period and given the, you know, the booking and given the fumbles and all of that. So it's like it was good for what it was, but I think it could have definitely been a better. And I, I love tournaments in wrestling. I'm super excited that the New Japan Cup is happening soon or it already started depending on when I release this. Um so I love tournaments and wrestling. Um this was not a great tournament, but it was of no fault of the promotions even cuz it's like I get that they need to protect certain people and certain people got injured and certain people Medusa messed shit up. And so like I I get it. So it's it wasn't bad, but it was definitely not great you know what i mean yeah no that's definitely like it was in the middle of the road like not very good not very bad but you know as a show i can i could watch it like i, I didn't sit there and go god damn why am i watching this shit exactly yeah like um like i, I watched part of it last night and i watched part of it this um and i was like i was i i enjoyed it i enjoyed watching it but being the critic and the dickhead that I am, there are certain things that I'd be like, mm, that could have, eh, you know, because every wrestling fan's a critic nowadays, including me. So well, It would make for a very bad podcast if we were like, you know what, those average matches were fucking awesome and you should watch them. That's why I was also thinking throughout it, is that it's like, it's like, like with the, the Grizzly match, the Grizzly versus um, Yumika Hoda, I was like, I fucking love this match. And then I actually like looked at it for a second, I was like, okay, I can't say this was the match of the fucking year just because Hoda kicked the shit out of her. <laughs> like, it doesn't... I, I can't say that because it's not fair to, like, an actual, like, great wrestling match. Or it's not, not even, like, a... Not even trying to be objective, but just, like... I can't take that into the context of, like, my enjoyment of wrestling matches because Yumika Hoda kicked somebody in the face for six... You know? So it's, like... 
I really enjoy that match, but I'm not going to say that, oh, this was the this was the fucking match the, of 1990 for me. And it's like, it wasn't because it wasn't it wasn't as good as the fucking Fire Jets versus um, Marine Wolves. So I don't know. Part, part of me, like, part of me really wants to shit on certain things. Part of me really wants to just, like, fucking put shit over. But it's like, there's always, like, that middle ground where it's like, okay, this was really good and this was not great. But I try not to deal with absolutes because it is not the Jedi way. <laughs> whoa, but... whoa. <laughs> <Night> <laughs> over here. Prequel jokes, let's go. Um... <laughs> We're all over the place today. But um yeah, I believe that that does it for the most part. Um thank you for listening to the third episode of VTG Victory Through Guts. My name is Dylan Murray. You can find me at XXIchiban on Twitter. Um find the podcast at VTG Pod on Twitter as well. Um tell your moms, tell your dads, tell your uncles, tell your dogs, tell your friends, tell everybody to listen to us because we need clout at the end <laughs> you can go ahead now <laughs> just say whatever you want um yeah i'm i'm alex um should go to the website that i i basically run now called last word on pro wrestling it, it pays me money um yeah and i, I write there. i write once a year i i write for them so you should check yeah, every, like every now and then, like Dylan, like comes out of his cave and I was like, "Here's a here's an article," and I'm like, "Chill, yeah. man, cool." Yeah, just like just like here's here's two thousand words about Jungle Kiona. Are you happy? <laughs> and then I I go back to my hole. But yeah, so um, thank you for watching. Oh, <laughs> have a good day. Have a good tomorrow. I hope you have a beautiful life. I hope everything's going well for you. Um, again, give us clout and Joe.